0: Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by Chevy Driveschicago.com. Drive what Kane drive. I'm Chris Vosters. Today we're joined by TNT's lead play-by-play broadcaster Kenny Albert. As he's on the call as the Blackhawks take on the Edmonton Oilers on Wednesday night, he gives us his take on the Hawks season so far and takes us inside his illustrious broadcasting career. Much more coming up on the podcast presented by Chevy Drives, Chicago.com, Drive What Kane and Taves Drive. And welcome in. It's great to be joined, as always, by my two favorite co-hosts, Kaylee Chelios and Colby Cohen. Final day of November, we've got Thanksgiving in the rear view, the holiday season in full swing. If you check out the atrium right now at the United Center, it is decked for the holidays. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, not as much a fan of the last few games for the Blackhawks. Most recently, a a tough 7-2 loss to a really good Winnipeg Jets team in the Central Division. Look, before that, though, there had been three straight games where the Hawks had either been tied or ahead at some point in the third period. And through that three-game stretch before the Winnipeg game, they had just one point to show for it. So the effort's there. The competitiveness is there. But it's just not translating to wins right now. And I would think that would be very frustrating. That's, that's my take on the team right now as we turn the calendar to December. But Kaylee, where are you at right now with, with sort of the vibe check on the Blackhawks?
1: I mean, tread water right now. It's that part of the season, a quarter of the way through, where I feel like some of these losses, they've started to spiral a little bit. And that was indicative in the, the loss against the Winnipeg Jets. However, you know, they've faced some adversity too, in that they've gotten into a stretch of playing some really tough opponents. Dallas, I mean, Winnipeg's playing some good hockey. Um, Pittsburgh, Boston. I mean, they ran into a tough stretch, kind of bad timing, I think. It was a combination of that. They're without Seth Jones, they're without some of their key players in the lineup, and Sam Lafferty and Tenorti against the Jets. They have Alex Stalock still trying to rehab from concussion and Tyler Johnson still dealing with injury. So a little bit of everything is going wrong right now for the Blackhawks. I don't think it's any time to hit the panic button. We knew that this team on paper was not going to be able to outmatch a lot of their opponents. However, I think you know giving up the goal first in eight straight games and not playing a consistent 60 minutes, just controlling what they can control – uh, has been maybe their biggest problem, and Luke Richardson is is who they're going to look to now to try to get them back on top. He preaches about accountability, and that's one area of their game that they can control that they've not been able to to do for a full sixty in some of these tough losses. And they looked pretty comfortable in the one goal games, Colby. I thought for a little bit, and then it just seemed like you know one play could turn the tide or the complexion of the game, and it could spiral into two, three, four goal holes that you can no longer get yourself out of. And that gets extremely tiring.
2: Yeah. And Kaylee, we we've grown up around this game and there's one thing that's been true as long as you and I were, were old enough to put hockey skates on our feet and the hockey gods have a way of working their magic and evening things out. And early in the season, the Hawks were getting a lot of bounces. They really were things were going their way. Pucks were squirting out to Sam Lafferty and, and he was getting alone on, on shorthanded breakaways. And, uh, they were getting two on one opportunities where, um, you know, the puck was really bouncing and falling their way and they got off to a, a, a really nice start to start the season. But as of late, it's been the complete opposite. Um, they're a little bit outmatched on paper. There's there's absolutely no doubt about that. This is a rebuild. I don't think anybody has strayed from that. That is a, a constant. Um, that is going to be part of the organization through and through for the next couple of seasons. But you know, we we you know the the Winnipeg game last night is a good example of, of puck luck and the hockey gods sort of evening things out and, and taking some of the bounces. Uh, the Hawks would have been up one nothing in this hockey game against Winnipeg, but you know it's an offsides play, uh, an, an unfortunate bounce. The puck hits off of Max Domi's skate. Uh, Kaner just trying to buy a little bit of time and space, and it, and it ends up offside by millimeters, and that's the difference in one nothing for the Hawks on home ice with a crowd that really seemed to be... Uh, electric last night early on I mean it was loud in that building especially during the anthem Um, and then all of a sudden that goal comes back the wind comes out of your sail and then Winnipeg is is really off to the races at that point so I think a lot of bounces Kaylee have have been not going their way uh, including for Patrick Kane who by his standards probably not where he wants to be Obviously, he's looking to chase down an important record, one that's probably near and dear to your heart a little bit.
1: Um, yes, I was trying to talk to my dad about that. Um, he's very quiet, and unlike Wayne Gretzky, as Kenny's going to talk about later on, he does not remember anything <laughs> from back <laughs> really? in the day. <laughs> wow. Not really. Like some of the, some of the tougher moments or great moments. Yes. But if you go back, he's not like a Wayne Gretzky or Patrick Kane or John Cooper can, can go back like 30 years and tell you the day and time that they saw this goal go in. But um, yeah, I think that's a, it's a really cool record, obviously being an American born defenseman and my dad's whole story just coming from really nothing and doing what he did. It's, it's cool now to see him in the record books. Uh, Patrick Kane, you know, Bob obviously playing for the USA uh, on the Olympic level has been exciting for me because that was such a huge part of watching my dad growing up. I thought the Olympics were like the coolest thing ever, honestly. So uh, great for him. The only record my dad could think of other than that that he has with the Blackhawks was most penalty minutes in a single game. And I wrote it down. It was like <laughs> 51 or something insane. And he's like, I don't not think Kaner is
2: going to get that.
1: I don't think so. He's like, I'm not most proud of it, but it might be the only one he has the most of, or he still set a record for it as a Blackhawk. So he definitely instilled that into our our play as we were kids in some form, and I don't think other parents loved it, but... It is what it is. Um it's it's pretty amazing though to think of uh how much longer Patrick Kane has uh to keep playing this game at that level and the numbers he's gonna set, not just as a US born player, but in the top fifty, um and then some all time among NHLers.
2: Well, Chris, before you send it off to Kenny, I just wanna jump in and say, I mean, you know, even before meeting you, Kaylee, and, and us becoming um you know, broadcast teammates. I grew up watching your dad as well, you know, idolizing him and Jeremy Roenick, guys that are the Mount Rushmore of American-born hockey players. There's always that U.S.-Canada rivalry. I've got to play for Team USA on, on numerous occasions, and when you play for Team USA, you think back to Chris Chelios uh, Phil Housley, Jeremy Roenick, John LeClair—those names on those jerseys from some of those games against Canada when we were young kids. So the fact that uh, Kaner is is on the brink of of uh, tying your dad for you know fourth all time in assists—I mean, it's it's incredible, you know. But. Your dad stays on the the Mount Rushmore of American-born hockey players with with what he was able to do, and and
0: it's just cool to really get to be around both of them these days. 763 career assists for both Chris Chelios and Patrick Kane, tied for fourth for most assists by an American-born skater. Of course, Chris Chelios, most assists for an American-born defenseman. And yes, Chris Chelios, the Chicago Blackhawks franchise leader in penalty minutes, 1495 there. That's uh Oh wow, I didn't know record, he was the, the franchise leader there. Yes. Yes, and it's uh you know nearly 100 years in the in the making with the Chicago Blackhawks franchise length of time. So that's uh, still a very prestigious record to have. Colby mentioned things evening out in hockey and maybe on Wednesday night things will in a good way for the Blackhawks. They get the Edmonton Oilers for The second time this season, remember in the first game, Connor McDavid had a hat trick. It was a crazy game. Edmonton won 6-5. On the call for that game on TNT is play-by-play broadcaster Kenny Albert. And it was really a great moment for me, and I think all three of us, to get to talk to Kenny ahead of this game. I don't think I fanboyed him too much, right, as a a play-by-play guy. (laughs)
1: No, I think between uh, the Green Bay talk though, and and the Wisconsin talk with Kenny, you both were flying high on the excitement of uh, Lambeau <laughs> we Stadium vibes. Uh,
2: Chris's face was lit up like a Christmas tree when he started talking about uh, some of those football crews. So, Chris, well, we won't we won't spoil
0: any more of it. Without further ado, here's our conversation with Kenny Albert. Kenny Albert joins the Blackhawks Insider Podcast, and this is a real treat for us both personally and professionally. Kenny, Kaylee and Colby, as longtime hockey fans, certainly associate you with the New York Rangers, the the voice of the NHL, most recently on TNT. Growing up in Wisconsin without an NHL team, I spent my Sundays watching Kenny Moose and Goose with the NFL on Fox, uh, one of the many great crews that you've been a part of, so Thank you so much for joining us. We've got you on this week because you're on the TNT call of Blackhawks-Oilers on Wednesday night, a late puck drop, by the way. Sorry about that, 8.30 p.m. Central Time, but really appreciate you joining us, and how are you today?
3: Well, it's great to be with all of you. Uh, Chris, doing well, and brings back so many terrific memories, the years I worked with Moose Johnston and the late Tony Saragusa, who uh, unfortunately passed away this past summer, but we were up in Green Bay for a number of Packers games uh, back in in you know the Favre days, and then the early days of Aaron Rodgers. One of my favorite memories was a playoff game in the snow between the Packers and Seattle back in January of 2008. Uh, so when you mentioned moose and goose, big smiles on my end.
0: And I will just say that I was at that game in wow. the in the seating bowl. It was like a snow globe game, as <laughs> I remember. I mean, Packers fell behind early in that game, ultimately came back and won, and and that ended up being. If I'm not mistaken, Brett Favre's last win at, at Lambeau Field. So
3: that was right. uh, that was an historic call. No, you're absolutely right. And w- when I think back to that day, it was like a snow globe. And one of my biggest memories after the game was uh, we all stayed over. The game ended too late for us to get out that night. And Tony Saragusa ordered, if, if my memory serves correct, 2,000 chicken wings for the table. <laughs> there were about 15 or 20 of us. And it, 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 if you could have seen the look on the face of the producer who picked up the bill, uh, Tony ordered two thousand wings, and I think most of them were consumed. I I can't believe
0: they had the ability to make that order in the kitchen wherever you, wherever you were in Green Bay, Wisconsin. That is, that is astounding. Um, R.I.P. to the to the late great Tony Siragusa, as you mentioned in. Kaylee and Colby, we're, we're not even two minutes into our convo with Kenny and I've already gotten us horribly off track, but I know that I know that Kaylee and Colby have got some questions for you too, Kenny, but before I send it over to them, uh, tell us a little bit about the the NHL jersey that you've got hanging in, in your man cave there. I hear there's a
3: story behind that. So during the pandemic, when we were all home for months and months and uh, all started to use Zoom, and I'm sure... All three of you uh, did a number of interviews during that time uh, with with various outlets uh, to talk hockey and, and perhaps other sports, so um, it was pretty boring back behind me. I have some pictures on the wall, and that was it, so I found this old NHL All-Star jersey in the closet. There's no number on the back, no name. It's from the late 80s, <laughs> early 90s, not sure where I even got it, and last football season, we were on a Zoom with Brian Dable, who's now the head coach of the New York Giants. He was the offensive coordinator with the Buffalo Bills last year. And before we got back to visiting teams in person, uh, we would do Zooms with some players and coaches. And I had never met Brian Dable before. And uh, he signed on to the Zoom. And the first thing he said to me, quote, is that a Wales or a Campbell Conference jersey? So he, he, showed, he showed great prior knowledge. Uh, He grew up, he was born in Canada, grew up in the Buffalo area. He was a big Sabres fan. But I was very impressed that Brian Dable uh, went back into the memory bank and threw out, is that a Wales or a Campbell jersey? Very impressive. Very impressive.
1: That is impressive. I wonder if he or Patrick Kane's parents are bigger Buffalo Sabres fans. I've seen some pretty good pictures of them when young Patty Kane was in the arena watching games at a young age. Um, Kenny, you have such a great perspective. We've covered so many hockey games. This is kind of new territory for Chris, Colby, and I in terms of covering a a rebuild for the first time together. It's been a while since the season opener, uh, Hawks versus Colorado. Just curious, Kenny, what are your thoughts on where the Blackhawks are now as we get to about a quarter of the way through the season and you know what they did to start the season, exceeding expectations, impressing a lot of people. I think early. What do you make of the construction of this lineup and where they're at at this point in the season, Kenny?
3: Well, first of all, Kelly, re- really excited. Always enjoy doing games at the United Center. Um, you know, some big playoff series, Game Seven against LA. I know the, the Blackhawk fans don't want to really, uh, you know, reminisce too much about it back in 2014. But big Blackhawk wins. Um, You know, throughout that era, um, I was there for a a number of them during the postseason. So it's one of my favorite cities, one of my favorite arenas, and uh, can't wait to get there this week. Should be a fun game against Edmonton, Um, you know, an Oilers team that's been up and down. uh, Our crew, along with Eddie Olchek and Keith Jones, we were in Edmonton last week for their game against the Kings, and they've been on a long road trip uh, in the New York area. They played all three teams, so it should be a really fun night. You know, as far as the Hawks, Uh, We were there opening night in Denver, as you referenced, uh, for the game against the Avalanche. And I haven't seen the Hawks in person since then. But, you know, when you throw out the the word rebuild, um, you know, we've gone through it here in New York a couple of times. I was working the Rangers games on radio back in the mid to late 90s when they reached the Eastern final in 97. Uh, The Flyers wound up advancing and then lost to the Red Wings in the final that year. But uh, then the Rangers went through seven straight years out of the playoffs, so it, it was a long stretch. And then they draft Henrik Lundqvist and uh, have, a, have an unbelievable run. And in 2018, uh, they wound up sending a letter out to the fans. It was well-documented, talking about their plan. They never called it a rebuild in New York. They called it a build. And it involved uh, trading a number of veterans, acquiring draft picks, and they were able to turn it around a lot faster than people expected. So... Uh, Hopefully that's the case with the Hawks as well. You know, you still have, obviously, future Hall of Famers in in Kane and Taves who are part of those, you know, a huge part of the three Stanley Cup teams, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, Does Patrick Kane go elsewhere? Does he finish the season with the Blackhawks? But um, I was impressed in in talking to Luke Richardson prior to that first game about uh, his outlook and and his plan for the season. As you mentioned, they got off to a, a better start than people expected. Uh, it's gone a little downhill since then, but uh, couldn't be more excited about heading to Chicago this week.
2: Well, Kenny, we're excited to have you in the building, especially because it really means the night off for Chris, Kaylee, and I, so uh, we get to kick our feet up and, and just watch the game as as you guys take over uh, the broadcasting duties for, for all of us, but You spend a lot of time in the Midwest. Your daughter goes to school in Madison. You always are flying through here. Yeah, there goes the fist pumps for Chris. Um, Always loves the Wisconsin uh, um, notions, (laughs) but... What are your go-to spots here in Chicago? I mean, you, you, this is—it's like a hub for you with all your NFL games. I mean, you've done all the baseball games over the air. You probably, maybe, have even done some boxing here. Who knows, right? So, when you come to Chicago, what what are the the can't miss spots for you?
3: Well, a lot a lot of Bears games through the years, Blackhawks, of course, uh, some Cubs and White Sox games, and even a few basketball games. And and it's funny you mentioned that, Colby. I I was just going over the December calendar. And I work about 15 Knicks games a year as well for MSG Network. And I have a game in Chicago in mid-December on a Friday. I'm in Minnesota uh, for TNT on Wednesday, so I will make a little side trip to Madison uh, on that Thursday uh, up to visit my daughter uh, on the campus. Um, but the go-to spots in Chicago, usually Gibson's, is towards the top of the list. Um During uh, many of those Bears games in the past, we would say at what used to be the Sutton Place, I think now it's the Thompson Hotel, and the original Pancake House is right across the street. So, uh, Chris, I remember with Moose and Goose, that was a favorite of theirs, uh, the Pancake House for breakfast on a Saturday morning. I love deep-dish pizza, so I've definitely spent a lot of time at numerous uh, pizza places around Chicago, um, but I would say Gibson's for sure, whether it's lunch or dinner, that that's probably one of my favorite spots.
0: And Dottie Dumplings dowry. If you need a hamburger recommendation, when you're up in Madison on your little side trip coming up in December,
3: uh, <laughs> definitely keep that in mind. You know, we, we used to joke with goose, uh, Tony, Saragusa, who we mentioned before, he loved going to a place called Ron of Japan. I don't know if any of you have ever been there in downtown Chicago, but that, that was one of goose's favorites. Well,
2: I so feel spent, like we need he he to trust couple,
3: him. We spent a couple of meals there as well. Did he order 200 rolls of 2000 rolls of sushi or something like that? You know that? what? I tr- I trust the Tony to order no matter where we went in any city.
1: Do you have any idea Kenny Ballpark what $2000 worth of wings would cost in Wisconsin?
3: Uh, I don't know the exact number, and this was 15 years ago, but uh, oh, okay, <laughs> uh, I'm sure the I'm sure the Fox expense report uh, was pretty high <laughs> that weekend.
2: Well, at least we now know what the standard is, and we now know what to be ordering next time Trevor takes the broadcast team out for, out for a meal. So uh, the the standard you know, the has other, been set.
3: <laughs> you know, I, I hate to get off track, but the other the other big goose ordering memory. <laughs> and, uh, by the way, Colby, Colby's aware, um, I actually have a book coming out next year, if, if you don't mind, a quick plug, where I, Please. I talk about some of these travel stories and uh, a chapter on each sport, a chapter on all the analysts I've worked with, etc. Uh, we had a Giants-Bills game in Buffalo back in December 2011. and It started hailing in the second half, and all of our flights were canceled, so we piled in a couple of rental cars six or eight of us to drive back to to the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area and we stopped at, at a rest area along the, uh, the throughway, the New York throughway and uh, again, Goose got there, his car got there first and by the time the rest of us arrived, uh, there had to be about $100 of french fries from the McDonald's sprawled out across this table. So, you know, it's, it's not all glamorous. It's not all, you know, Ritz-Carlton's and Four Seasons in the top restaurants. Sometimes it's 2,000 chicken wings, and $100 of French fries.
2: Kenny, (laughs) can you name, I mean, since you you opened the door on this, do you know every single analyst you've ever done a game with? Do you have a list?
3: Well, I do have a list, and as you know, you're on it from the (laughs) the game we worked together in Boston, right? Game seven of the Bruins Maple Leafs. It's over 250 analysts in in the various (gasps) sports, and it ranges from uh, some folks who I worked one game with Others for ten or fifteen years, so it, it's kind of been fun to keep track. And and there are, I've just been so fortunate to work with so many great analysts in all the sports, uh, Hall of Famers, champions. Um, you know, whether it was three games with Troy Aikman, uh, a couple of games with with Joe Namath back in the day. Um, <laughs> you know, John Davidson, some of the greatest hockey analysts. You know, who have ever. Ever done it, uh, obviously now with, with Eddie and Jonesy, the best in the business, um, Tim McCarver in baseball. I get to work about 15 games a year with Walt Clyde Frazier on the basketball side, so it, it doesn't matter. I could be wearing a T-shirt and shorts. Nobody's looking at me during the Open. <laughs> um, if you've ever seen Clyde's attire, and there's, Only on an, Instagram your Instagram. Account. there's yeah. an Instagram account uh, dedicated to it, he has 125 suits, so he never wears the same one twice during one season. I think, Colby, I think you should... Uh, you know, you should take a page out of his book. Rotate, never the I same. Agree. Never the same outfit more than once, any during the course of the season. That's great advice.
2: <laughs> I'm going to need bigger paychecks for
0: 125 suits. Kenny, you, you mentioned 250 analysts that you've worked with, and, and 250 different personalities. As a play-by-play guy, I, I'd really like to pick your brain on this. But how do you change your style to? conform to your analyst bring out the most in your analyst you know it's a very intimate relationship between play-by-play broadcaster and analyst it's it's a it's a partnership it really is do you change your style at all how have you gotten the most out of so many different analysts over the course of your career
3: well it's it's so much fun Chris to work with with different personalities and I would always do a little research before the first time that I worked with any of them because you want to maybe reference things that happened during their career or if there are players or coaches involved in that specific game who they either played with, coached with, had a relationship with, so you can bring those anecdotes out of them. Um, I think the biggest challenges have been uh, the early days with with the three-person booth, and it's not always three in the booth. Uh, when I worked with Moose and Goose, for example, uh, for eight years, Tony was downstairs. And he wasn't a sideline reporter. He was a sideline analyst. His mic was open. He can come in at any time. So you have to have that nonverbal communication. Now, in football, it's a little different because it's one play and then it's 20 seconds. It's another play and it's 20 seconds. So I would set up the play, call the play, quick recap, and then I would shut up and get out of the way so that Moose and Goose can come in. And Goose wouldn't come in after every play, maybe every four or five. And it's similar in hockey now. And and you guys go through it with the the between-the-glass position. Uh, when I work with Eddie and Keith Jones, for example, or back in the NBC days, if it was Eddie and Pierre Maguire or Joe Micheletti in the booth and Pierre or one of the other uh, sideline analysts downstairs, um, I don't think the viewer at home realizes the challenges that could present because when you're up in the booth, uh, you're not near the person who's down at ice level. You can't see them. You can't tap them on the arm or on the shoulders. So It's a skill that I think uh, we all uh, have to acquire and develop as we move along. I think it's gone, you know, very well. All the broadcasts I watch around the NHL, it's terrific chemistry. If there's either two in the booth, one person downstairs, or one in the booth and one downstairs. But that's probably the biggest challenge. I get asked a lot, Chris, about, you know, A, the differences between TV and radio, uh, of which there are many. As Kaylee knows, having done a lot of radio down in, in Tampa Bay, Um, On radio, the the play-by-play person has to be so descriptive uh, and give the time and score a lot more often, whereas on television, the time and score is up left-hand corner of the screen. You can pull back and let the analysts come in. Um, But also the differences between the various sports. I'm often asked if hockey's the hardest. To me, it's the easiest, maybe because I've done it for so long. And it's a a continuous flow, especially on radio, but on TV as well. The puck's in action for 60 minutes. In a basketball game, the ball's in action for the entire 48 minutes. Football, like I said, is the most rhythmic. Baseball, to me, is the most challenging because there's so much downtime, and hopefully you have a great analyst to, to fill it in. But people are shocked when I tell them that, that hockey is the easiest. But in a sense, it's like riding a bike, right? Once they drop the puck and start the game, it's, it's that continuous flow throughout the 60 minutes.
1: I don't think I would have ever guessed that you'd say hockey was the easiest, so that's super interesting. Yeah. and. Yeah. Personally, obviously, at least. Maybe not, personally, Maybe not for everybody. I mean, in, in hockey, is it is it fair to say it's a bit of, I mean, it's your bread and butter maybe, or it's the one that you have that passion for back when you first started broadcasting? I mean, hockey obviously was a sport for you too that, that meant a lot to you in your career.
3: Definitely. Um, loved hockey as a kid. Loved, loved all sports, but yeah. hockey was probably a little bit ahead of the others for sure. I was... I was 12 years old when the U.S. won the the gold medal in 1980, and I remember when I would go to the local rink on Long Island where I grew up, there was just such this wave of energy, um, and and so many more kids, boys and girls, signed up to play hockey at the time, and then the Islanders started winning the Stanley Cups. So in my area, uh, wherever you went, you saw jerseys, people were talking about hockey, and And uh, I played a little bit, Kaylee wasn't very good. I was on a club team in high school, third line, plotting winger. Um, When I went to college, I figured that was it. No more playing career. But ironically, a fellow student at NYU, my freshman year started a club team. So I was able to play for four more years. Uh, There is a a little trivia. I did score the first goal in NYU club hockey history. (laughs) I didn't score many after that, but I did score the first. And, Kelly, you'll appreciate this, considering where you used to work. So the first time I ever met John Cooper was during a playoff series. The Lightning were up in Montreal in 2015. And I was working the game with Joe Micheletti on NBC. That morning, we were at this morning skate in Montreal. And I had never met John Cooper. He had taken over the previous year. And Joe and I are standing off to the side, John speaking with the reporters. And he, he notices me, and he says, I need to talk to you after. And I'm thinking, what did I say? Did I say something on the air that got back to him? I couldn't think of anything that I that I had possibly said. So, And I, I knew his background. I knew he played lacrosse and had attended Hofstra on Long Island. He comes over and he says to me, we played against each other in college. And I was shocked. First of all, I didn't realize he played hockey in, at Hofstra. And how would he know that right right it turns out that he has such an unbelievable mind right you know know him as well as anybody a buddy of his who he had played with on that hofstra team who works on wall street in manhattan somehow knew that i played for nyu and told john cooper when he got hired by tampa bay if you ever meet this guy we played against him so i was floored i couldn't believe that that is amazing i'm not surprised at all right no not at all so we actually played against each other in college well, Did you I keep the puck from uh, your first goal? I don't, I don't even – I keep no just idea. about everything, as you <laughs> can probably see behind me, but I'm not sure if I have the puck, to be honest.
1: That's I think Kenny amazing.
3: still
2: has his game notes from like a 1985 Baltimore Skipjacks games with uh, Dave Starman and, and Barry oh, Trotz do. behind the bench. So. I do.
3: You're, you're dating me a little bit. 1990 was <laughs> the first year. And and Barry Trotz was my roommate on the road for two years. Uh, to save money, wow. to save money, uh, the team had the radio guy room with the assistant coach. So <laughs> he was a great roommate. I learned I learned so much not only about hockey but about life uh, from Barry. And even when he took over as the head coach uh, late in our second season together, he said we can't change the karma. We're still rooming together.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think hearing those big hockey names is, is something that resonates with everyone. And one of the, the things that I think that I've really enjoyed um, hearing from you, you know, obviously yeah, we've worked together and, and we, we talk so frequently, but last year the Winter Classic, Wayne Gretzky comes into the booth with you guys. He's on the, the studio set, you know, every other week or so with TNT. I know he travels sometimes. You guys get to spend time with him. Uh, in the playoffs, you're having meals with him. You're traveling with him. You know, I think every hockey fan has has love for Wayne Gretzky and what he's meant to this sport. Um, what's that been like, you know, getting to, to really know him and work with him and, and just really be in his, his aura and, or his orbit a little bit uh, since TNT did get the rights?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. It's been surreal. I knew him a little bit. He played for the Rangers three years uh, in the late 90s and I was doing the radio. So, um, you know, he's a guy who I idolize as a kid. Uh, When I was growing up, he was one of my favorite players to watch, and I had the opportunity to get his autograph a couple of times when I was 13, 14 years old. And then he comes to the Rangers, so I'm in my late 20s, uh, approaching 30, uh, and he's six or seven years older, but all of a sudden, the greatest player in the history of the sport, you know now I'm on the charter flights with him, and he would come up, you know it's been well documented he doesn't love flying and he wanted to take his mind off the turbulence, and he would come up and sit in the area near the broadcasters, uh, and and talk to John Davidson for the entire flight. He had so much respect for JD and he would come up and sit and and, and myself and Sal Messina and Sam Rosen, the other broadcasters at the time, we would be like flies on the wall, just listening into the conversation. And I was actually at the uh, the retirement party. I didn't work the game. His last game was April 18th, 99 an afternoon game against the Penguins in New York and Fox had the NHL rights at the time. So I worked a flyers game in Boston that afternoon um, with the late Peter McNabb. Uh, unfortunately we lost Peter a couple of weeks ago and I was just thinking about that recently, the last game uh, that we worked together and I was able to make it back and they had a, a retirement party um, Ironically, at Windows on the World, at, at the World Trade Center. And that's where Wayne's retirement party was that night. And there were so many legends from the world of hockey uh, that were there. And then, you know, I'd see, bump into him a couple of times at an NHL All-Star game in Los Angeles, but didn't see him very often over the last 20 years. But then he signs with Turner. And when I heard he was doing that game in uh, Hamilton, Ontario with us, uh, my first thought was, wow, I could add him to my list, right, the list of analysts. Um, but it was, it was surreal, you know, to have him up there with us. And he has such an unbelievable mind, not only for hockey but all sports. Back when he was with the Rangers and I would listen to him on the plane, I used to think to myself, he could host a sports talk show. He knew everything about football and baseball and basketball and um, other subjects as well outside the world of sports. And then during the Colorado Edmonton Western Conference final last year, the studio show traveled. So Liam McHugh, Wayne, Paul Bissonnette, uh, Anson Carter, and Rick Tockett were with us in Denver and Edmonton. So we all got to spend a lot of time around him, and uh, it was just incredible to, to have meals, listen to the stories. He, he's an unbelievable storyteller, and he remembers every detail. He'll bring up a game that he played in 40 years ago, and, and it, it's just so precise uh, what, what he remembers. And... It was just so much fun getting to know him even better and his son Ty who was with him and uh, listening to the stories. We went to a junior game. The Edmonton Oil Kings were home on the off day and we all walked across the street from the hotel and Wayne says hey, you guys want to take a picture in front of my statue? So, (laughs) sure enough, uh, we all we all uh, walked to the Wayne Gretzky statue and uh, take a picture with Wayne right there. And we went down to the locker room. He spoke to the coaching staff and Paul Bissonnette did the lineups, and uh, that we filmed it and showed it on the game the next night. It was incredible. But now, fast forward, he was with us for the uh, opening game. The Hawks in Denver had dinner with us, so to listen to the stories again for the two or three hours. But what, what's what's the most surreal, I think, is now being part of a text chain with Wayne and Rick Tockett and Keith Jones and Paul Bissonnette and some of the others. You know, Saturday afternoon, I'm sitting in Cleveland getting ready to broadcast a football game, and there's a text on this chain from Wayne Gretzky. So uh, that, that's probably the, the coolest part of the whole thing.
2: Who's the busiest on the chat? Who, who, who blows it up the most?
3: Um, Rick Tockett often starts the chat, and many times it involves uh, some kind of photo of, of Keith Jones eating somewhere. Uh, that's kind of become the that's kind of become the inside joke is uh, you know where's Jonesy eating today? So uh, those those photos have shown up on the chat pretty frequently. And, and And Jonesy and Wayne are from the same hometown. They're from Brantford, Ontario, so they've developed a a, a, a really cool relationship. Uh, Keith actually played with some of Wayne's younger brothers growing up, only lived four blocks away, so they have that they have that whole Brantford connection going on as well.
0: You know Gretzky's numbers it, it, when he was with the Rangers at the tail end of his career, modest only by his standards. I mean, you think he was still leading the league in assists right. when even at that stage in his career?
3: No, he was, and I think about that often, Chris. He probably could have played two or three or four more years. Um, yeah, he was 38 when he retired. Uh, his birthday is January 61, and he retired in April of 99. But you know, Kaylee knows a thing or two about hockey players. Uh, you know, <laughs> playing well into their forties. And I worked the Buccaneers game yesterday. Tom Brady, forty-five years old. It's incredible. Uh, we actually, you know, you asked me about Wayne. I had the opportunity to sit in a room with Tom Brady for a half an hour two days ago, and and that was he was he was in in in, in such a it seemed like he was in such a good mood. Um, you know, it didn't seem like he wanted to wrap up and, and leave the meeting. We joked around with him a little bit about a couple of things and. Um, you know, unfortunately for Brady and the Buccaneers, they wound up losing the game in overtime yesterday. But Colby asked about, uh, you know, being around Wayne Gretzky. But you know, we're all so fortunate to, um, you know, be in the positions that we're in, and and just to sit with Tom Brady in a room on on Saturday was definitely uh, uh, a career highlight as well.
0: Kenny, I, I mean, we could talk to you for the rest of the afternoon probably about sports and sports broadcasting and sports history, but we'll we'll let you go for now. We would love to have you back on a future episode of Blackhawks Insider Podcast. It was great having you. Thank you so much for, for sharing so many great stories and memories with us. Safe travels to Chicago, and, and we're really excited to have you in town for Blackhawks Oilers on Wednesday night.
3: Well, I do have another hour if you guys aren't busy, but uh, (laughs) no, thanks for having me on. Great to see all of you and uh, hope to do it again. We'll see you in Chicago this week. That sounds great. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Kelly.
1: Thanks, Kenny. Thanks,
3: Kenny.
0: Well, guys, it's time for sellies and chirps. And one question that I just did not get to ask Kenny Albert. I mean, it was really high on my list and I just didn't quite get around to it. I wanted to know what he thought Of my mustache. I mean, it's November 30th. It's the final day of November. I'm getting ready to say goodbye to, as Kaylee Chelio said, an accessory that I've grown very fond of (laughs) over the last month. So for sellies and chirps, I mustache you a question. Thoughts on the mustache, guys? Lay it on thick. I can handle it. I've been asking everybody in the United Center press box all month. They're really sick of me asking by now. So I turn it over to you. And hey, if you got any good nicknames for my mustache, I'd I'd love to hear it as well. You guys can see it, okay, right?
1: Coming oh, well, we can see it. There. We okay. can see it, Chris. It's been impressive to watch you grow it. Uh, I'm trying to remember the first game that I maybe it was Anaheim. I think I saw it really emerge on the dad's trip. But uh, I'm gonna celebrate. I like mustaches. I'm not that in tune, I think, with the whole anti-mustache thing. it Obviously, some, some people can have a tough one. But, Chris, I think you rock it well. I'll celebrate it all day. I like the mustache look. I like the different uh, mullets that are coming back in. I'm not a hater of the, the mustache game. Colby, what do you think?
2: I, I'm going to probably celebrate it because <laughs> I think that <laughs> it takes – it takes a lot of uh, gusto to to grow a mustache for a whole month, Chris. And so I'm going to give you credit for that and I'm going to celebrate that. Now I'm also going to chirp you a little bit because that's pretty much what I do with you and any chance I get. I mean, you did say I was on the naughty list last night during yes. the broadcast and what I really wanted to say was was Chris, Santa Claus did not visit the Cohen residence growing up. I mean, <laughs> You know, too, those the, the the Cohen thing, Santa. It just it doesn't happen. Christmas but, is for everybody, Colby. <laughs> but I, I will also say this to you: early on, it was it was much more chirp worthy. Uh, it looked kind of like a lace face, you know, when you get that thin <laughs> mustache. It gets a little bit long. Ugh. But having said that, in the last week, I will give you some props because it filled out a little. It got a little bit thicker. And it became a a pretty respectable mustache. It was nothing like Adam Lowry's, who was on Winnipeg. His mustache, I was like, whoa, that is a mustache. I mean, he could have been a state trooper with that mustache. (laughs) Um, And I've seen a couple players over the last couple weeks on Pittsburgh. I remember Zucker's mustache being pretty legit. Brian Rust's was pretty legit. But... I am gonna sell you and chirp you on that a little bit, Chris, because of the aforementioned reasons.
0: Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I, I will just say, Colby, that you were the first person to notice that I was even attempting a mustache for November. It was like November second, and you we were in the elevator up to the press box and you we were like, You got a muzzy going there? And I was like, Wow, he's uh, he's on he's on top of things. He's got I just always attention like to, look to detail. At you. I, I just I like know. to look at you whenever I can. <laughs> I think Dylan DeMello had a really good mustache for uh, for Winnipeg in, in the Hawks last game as well. I've gotten some really just filthy nicknames for it, though. Um, you know, some good ones, but some of the ones that I that I really abhor. Milk Stain? That's pretty disgusting. <laughs> well, you are from
2: Wisconsin.
0: Well, that's, that's true. Maybe I should warm up to that one. Uh, soup Strainer? Eh, that's pretty grody as well. But uh, it's uh, not hey, flavors.
1: I think somebody said flavor saver to you the other day, and I've never that's heard that good. before.
0: <laughs> is
2: saver. there a flavor mm. saver right here? Isn't that when you have it right there? All right. Well, I, gotta I, I, asked, I have, have to ask else John, else Weideman. John Weideman.
1: John like Weideman was the one who mentioned that. So I don't know if that's a, a nice thing for you. You get to have a snack, and then you can also <laughs> savor some of it afterwards. It's disgusting. Do you shampoo <laughs> and condition it? Um.
0: Well,. When, so, I, I had a pretty nice beard going, actually, over the summer. I, I think uh, there's some documentation on social media to verify that. And, and it did get to the point last summer where, yeah, I had to, I had to make sure that I, I put some shampoo and conditioner in the, in the beard. But not, not yet with the mustache, definitely. Yeah. If I let it go a little bit longer, I think I would actually have to start trimming it. But, no, I mean, it takes, it takes a while before people start to notice. But once I sort of get over that two-week hump... It uh, yeah, I think it does fill in kind of nicely. So well,
2: maybe next year I will try to join you. Although there we mine, go. mine is, I mean, so so bad. I don't even attempt it. But
1: it's for a good cause.
2: It's, it's for a good the, cause, and I can I can always get behind a good cause. Speaking of a good cause, <laughs> this isn't going to be a very good transition at all. But <laughs> the Chicago Bears. There's a lot going on there. I watched the game yesterday because the Eagles didn't play till Sunday night. They're kind of in a rebuild. Are they saying rebuild? Justin Fields is injured. Are they going to bring him back? Is it better for them to get a higher draft pick? You know, they're in this transitional phase, probably similar to the Blackhawks are. Uh, now, I, I personally have never really been a Chicago Bears fan. You know, I grew up in Philadelphia. Um, how do people here in Chicago – Chris, You're you're a big – you know, football fan, Kaylee, you're from here. Are you guys celebrating the bears right now and what they're trying to do? Obviously not the loss, but are you chirping them? Are you feeling good about Justin Fields? I see
0: a lot of mixed opinions on all that. Yeah. I mean, I think over the last week, especially, I've really become aware of the similarities in status for both the Blackhawks and the bears right now. And look, we're celebrating a Blackhawks rebuild. So I think we should definitely celebrate a Bears rebuild as well. I think there was looking back all the way back to, to training camp for the NFL season in August and then the first few weeks of the regular season in September, I think there was a little bit of guarded optimism for for Bears fans that, hey, maybe there's, a, there's an unexpected jump in this team's growth trajectory and, and maybe they find themselves in, in the playoff race in December and While that has not been the case, I think there are some tangible signs that Justin Fields has continued his development. But Bears general manager Ryan Poles, I think in a really similar spot with Blackhawks general manager Kyle Davidson, they're stockpiling draft picks right now. And the next few drafts for both the Bears and the Blackhawks, I think are really going to be pivotal and filled with a lot of excitement for fans here in Chicago as the future identity of both franchises really becomes clear.
1: Yeah, I'm not a Bears analyst. I spend most of my time watching hockey games and listening to Coco Melon for my toddlers. If I'm not watching a Bears <laughs> game on a Sunday, so unfortunately, I, I can't say what some of the missing ingredients are for the Bears and their lack of, you know, ability. I guess to get to that next level that fans have waited for for a long time. So I'll celebrate that you know two teams going in a rebuild and hopefully. Um, to get there to where they want to be a lot sooner, and i 'll also celebrate chris I know you you have a million different things you're doing all the time. You did the northwestern football game. Trevor Simeon was a a quarterback at Northwestern while I was there. unbelievable guy won a Super Bowl his first year pro with Peyton Manning as the backup and he 's a great locker room guy, so i 'm also celebrating uh unfortunately the injury to fields, but that Trevor Simeon is able to step in and go Wildcats, so it's nice to see a familiar face out there in a Bears uniform returning to Chicago.
0: Northwestern uh, would love to have him back, quite frankly. Their quarterback situation was uh, a little bit bleak this season, but you're, but you're right, Kaylee. He had a fantastic college career at, at Northwestern and has become a, a really serviceable NFL backup um and uh, dealing with some bumps and bruises of his own, uh, you know, all the way down to Matt Barkley on the on the depth chart for for Bears and a big one coming up against the Packers this weekend. We'll see who gets the start at at the quarterback controls in that game. But you got a sell or a chirp for us, Kaylee?
1: I do. Uh, I almost forgot about it because I was just remembering when Trevor and I took a Swahili class back in the day together. So if you need to learn any Swahili, Trevor and I can help you out with some of that.
0: <laughs> okay,
2: noted.
1: Um. Mine is going to be, so have you, I don't know if you guys have watched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It's,
0: uh, every um, year. Every year. Do you? Class. Okay. Oh,
1: yeah. I was definitely late to the game with it, but I'm celebrating that he is recreating a scene with a light production and show at a suburban Chicago restaurant, Cane's, and it's going to have reindeers and all of that. Chris, you talked a little bit about lights at the beginning of the podcast. I'm a huge fan of all the outdoor lights The Christmas displays, the tree lightings, that's kind of my jam when it comes to going outside and embracing the holiday spirit. So I'm going to say that I'm celebrating um, Griswold's lighting recreation at Canes. So I'd love to try Canes too. I don't know if you guys have been there. It's a selly for me, Colby. What is it for you?
2: I'm celebrating it. Clark Griswold is a legendary character. I mean, there's nothing that he's not been good at uh, in any movie <laughs> where he played Clark Clark Griswold. Um, and I'm with you, Kaylee. I, as much as Santa didn't visit the Cohen residence growing up, I've always been a fan of the the Christmas lights, and I think Christmas trees are are so pretty. I think they look great in your house. You know i love when cities start decorating all the light poles and and putting the lights up so i'm i'm all for all that stuff um I, you guys made fun of me last episode because i've got my uh, serious xm christmas music channel uh and i could pretty much listen to that year round because it just always puts you in a good mood so i'm i'm all in with you on
0: that one celebrating kaylee chris She's a beaut, (laughs) Clark! Oh my gosh, it's my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Absolutely a selly, especially involving Chevy Chase and a recreation of the what I assume is the iconic scene where he finally gets the power circuitry correct and is able to light up the uh, spectacular display outside his house, during which process he manages to staple his sleeve to the eavesdrop pipe and... Falls off a ladder and hilarity ensues, and ah, <laughs> oh, I love that movie it's so good. <laughs> Watching every Christmas, so this is an absolute selly for me. I was not aware of this recreation that you brought up, Kaylee. So thank you very much for putting it on my radar and well, joy our, to the our world.
1: producer, our producer mentioned maybe getting in on the action a little. Cane's food truck, Griswold, hot cocoa. So maybe that's a good opportunity for us to go bond at uh, some Griswold spectacular.
0: I'm always down, and and I'm going to uh, make a note that we should definitely discuss Christmas music and uh, Christmas movies, I should say. We can do both on a future episode of Blackhawks Insider Podcast. Uh, From Blackhawks Insider Podcast to Blackhawks Insider Prospects, you might notice the sweatshirt that Colby Cohen is wearing on this episode, representing his alma mater, Boston University. Colby is our favorite former terrier, and he had the chance to speak to a few current terriers, who are also Blackhawks draft prospects. So here is Colby Cohen with Ryan Green, a forward for Boston and a 2022 draft pick by the Blackhawks, and current Boston University goalie Drew Camesso.
2: Ryan, what a whirlwind of a six months it's been for you. It's the draft. Your bag gets stolen at the draft. You go to your first Blackhawks rookie camp. You get drafted. You hear your name. You come to BU. You've got your first goal as a Terrier. You're playing college hockey. Do you reflect on the last six months of that process of starting with the draft and
4: moving on through to where you're at here in Boston today? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, unbelievable experience in Montreal, and um, you know, it was it was awesome to be able to do it with my family and. I um, mean, you know, it was even better that Chicago called my name. So um, super exciting times. Um, obviously, the situation with the bag sucked a little bit there. <laughs> but um, we got through it. And um, you know, I'm happy to be here at BU. And I'm, I'm having a great time so far.
2: Well, you opened a lot of eyes at development camp. You didn't have your own equipment. You were, you were borrowing equipment because, of course, your stuff got stolen at the draft. You come to development camp, and you turn heads what did you learn at development camp and and what stuck with you that you think you've brought to your freshman year at BU?
4: Yeah um, obviously I learned a ton there Um, you know it it was super professional and um, you know you get treated like a pro there so just to get a feel um, going in there and seeing kind of how they run things and um, you know a lot of tips with with little things on the ice and then um, you know they value nutrition and things like that off the ice as well so just overall a great experience and um, yeah, I had a, a lot of fun there. So you get to BU Your head coach is jay pandolfo he's won a stanley cup
2: in the nhl he's been around the league he coached the boston bruins what has it been like to play for a guy who has been through everything you're going through and really what you'd like to go through in in your goals as a hockey player
4: yeah like coming in i was i was super excited you know to be able to be coached by jay obviously unbelievable resume for him and um top-notch player here as well but um, you know, they've, the coaching staff has done an unbelievable job with us, and, um, you know, they always have our best interest in mind, and, um, you know, yeah, I can't thank them enough for everything they've done for us so far. So last weekend, big five-point weekend for you.
2: It's hard to do as a freshman in college hockey. You get to wear this unbelievable sweater, obviously very meaningful to me, great to be back here, but... You know, do you, do you look at those moments in your development and and your goals to get to the NHL, and do you highlight a moment and a weekend where you're able to go off for five or six points?
4: Yeah, it was obviously a great weekend personally and and for the team as well. But um, you know, give credit to my line mates. I thought we were we were buzzing from the first shift of that game, and uh, we were ready to go. And then obviously a good turnout for for our line, so it was exciting.
2: Well, you bring up your line mates, and I'm gonna ask you about one of your teammates, a guy who you were at development camp with for the Blackhawks. He's been around here, Drew Camesso, for a couple of years. He's one of your team captains. What's it like to have a guy like Drew to ask questions uh, drafted by the same team as you you got to meet him a little bit this summer, got to spend a little bit of time with him. Is it, is it nice having him to lean on and, and kind of go through these experience with Drew?
4: Yeah, absolutely. like you said I was able to you know, get to know him at, um, at development camp this summer and then um, you know coming in here he's just he's, he's such a humble guy, you know unbelievable player and he's been a great leader for our team. so it's nice to have him to lean on and you know we can relate with in that, in that sense a little bit.
2: Do you have an idea as far as your goals or your timeline for where you're looking? And, and obviously, you're here playing at BU now. You're a freshman, so you've got lots of time. But you know, are you watching the Hawks every night? Are you keeping an eye on who's scoring goals and who's in the lineup? Where's your interest there?
4: Yeah, I, you know, whenever I can, I, I'll throw the Hawks game on for sure. But um, for now, just trying to take it you know, each game at a time and, and play my game and try to develop here.
2: All right. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Drew, it's your third year here at BU. So you're a seasoned veteran. You're wearing a letter on your sweater this year. When they named Jay Pandolfo the head coach, a guy who has a Stanley Cup championship, head coach, excuse me, assistant coach in the NHL, played a long time.
5: What did that mean to you who's kind of seen it all since you've been here? Well, it was huge, not only for me, but from the rest of my team to have someone that's so experienced, that's won at every level. I think that's something that, you know, we've all been striving for is we want to win here so bad and to have kind of our head guy that's been through that. and He knows what it takes. It's huge. It's huge for us. And he gives so many great tips, whether to be the to the forwards, the defenseman or myself. Um, so I can't say enough good things about Jay so far this season. And I know he's going to be great for us moving forward. And
2: it's been a little bit of a whirlwind for you. You get drafted in 2020. It's a COVID year, so there's no development camp. You, you get to play on the Olympics, which is obviously an unbelievable experience for you. Uh, but then you get to come to development camp in Chicago this summer, your first one. Uh, what did you learn from that development camp that you've been able to bring with you here, and and maybe bestow on the rest of your teammates or for your own personal game?
5: Yeah, I learned a lot at development camp, and you know the last year there's been a lot of, you know, different jerseys I've played for and it was obviously super special to throw the Blackhawks jersey on for the first time and I think one thing that I learned is, you know, how fast a lot of those guys are and, um, you know, just how much of a world-class organization that Chicago is and, you know, just getting to see guys like Jonathan Taze, you know, I remember going in the gym and seeing how seriously he took his body and his preparation and it was only in the summer, you know, that's something that I really learned is, you know, just watching him when I was rolling out. You know he, you would have thought he was playing that day you know just how focused and how determined he was so just seeing the pros around the rink like that is is really cool and you know it's something that i definitely learned and i definitely um you know took some positive things from that camp
2: well speaking of watching a guy like taves you're a junior you know your clock is obviously ticking are you keeping an eye on the the goal-tending situation in chicago right now and and how much are you able to watch the team and and really follow the team
5: yeah, well, my roommates and I have bought ESPN Plus, so I like to watch as much hockey as I can. Um, I guess goaltending-wise, it's out of my control, so um, you know I don't really follow that too much um, because you know what's important for me is stopping pucks here at BU, and um, you know when the time comes, the time comes. But you know right now, I'm really just focused on you know getting better here, winning games for my team here, developing here, um, you know playing the best that I can and. Um, You know, obviously watching the Blackhawks and other teams is great, and I like to watch a lot of pro goalies and, you know, take things from their game, so it definitely helps me a lot.
2: Well, the puck literally stops with you, right? So when you look at this season for you, and you look at past seasons, I think your team came into this evening as the number one team in the pairwise, loaded with talented players. We just talked to Ryan Green, who's also a Blackhawks draft pick, who's been off to a great start. But you know, what's it going to take for you guys to get over the hump here at BU, to get back into the national tournament, the Frozen Four, and, and hopefully raise a banner, which is a special thing to do,
5: especially in this place? definitely is and you know I think our big thing going into this year is everyone's bought into the team you know there's you know been talks about people you know about BU the last few seasons you know how they a lot of individuals and stuff and we said that's absolutely not gonna be our team this year you know everyone's gonna be bought into the team fully Jay Pandolfo has done a terrific job of having everyone so bought in and you know it's a long season right there's gonna be a lot of ups there's gonna be a lot of downs and we need to make sure we stay even keel and you know make sure we're prepared and you know battle-tested for the end of the season so I'll leave you with this. Ryan
2: Green, he's a freshman. He's a second-round pick by the Blackhawks, similarly to you. Five-point weekend last weekend. He's, he's made some noise as a freshman. He opened a lot of eyes at development camp this summer. You're the goalie, so you see everything. What have you seen from Ryan Green?
5: Ryan Green is going to be a special player. Um, you know, Having the opportunity to practice with him every day, you know, I see just truly how good he is. Um, You know the Blackhawks are definitely in for a treat and you know the good thing about Ryan is He's a great player on the ice. He works super hard, and he's just as great as a person off the ice Um, He has a great work ethic. He treats everyone the right way and um, you know He's going to continue to develop here at BU and um, you know I I know just you know with his attitude his work ethic. He's gonna have a great future.
2: All right. Thanks Drew.
5: Thank you Colby, it was really cool that I got to be sort of a
0: fly on the wall watching you lurking. No, watching while you were doing those interviews with Drew and Ryan. Uh, Seriously, it was great being at your alma mater, going to a BU hockey game. It's a great fan base that that I really got to see for the first time with my own eyes. And it was cool seeing all of the love that you still get walking through the the hallowed halls of the college arena you used to play in and, uh, you know, see the... The affection that people still have for you was really neat.
2: Yeah, I enjoyed being back there, and it was really fun for you know to have you and Steiny there with me to to just kind of you know relive some some great times in my life, and and obviously a team I still follow, and and players that I certainly root for and look forward to seeing in
0: Blackhawks jerseys. Tons of former Terriers in the NHL, that's for sure. And uh, Coley's place with Boston University forever iced no pun intended, for scoring the game-winning goal in the national championship game in 2009. We love you, Colby. Uh, I think that's all we got time for, right? Any final thoughts either from from uh, Colby or Kaylee? That's
1: all we got. That's a good note to end on.
0: Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Couldn't have... Uh, said it any better myself and i i I guess i did so we're out of time on this latest episode of the blackhawks insider podcast thank you so much for you the listeners of course colby and kaylee my hosts are fantastic help behind the scenes led by trevor bray nick song and jenna rose also a big shout out to brad dollar and southside jake for the music that you hear on this podcast every week and A remember to you, our fans and listeners, more content always available at Blackhawks.com. Enjoy the game tonight, Blackhawks versus Oilers, and we will talk to you next time
1: on Blackhawks Insider Podcast.